0: Two things I want to do before, two more things I want to do. Uh, Got a couple of things this morning that that are really on my heart. And the first thing I want to do is, like in the middle of worship, um, the Lord told me to pray that we all get heartburn. And then Kyle started singing, my heart burns for you. And I was like, thank you, Lord. So we're going to pray for that, that we all get spiritual heartburn, that our hearts literally burn for God. How many want that? Lord, I just ask right now that you would release on this house spiritual heartburn. Lord, that our hearts would turn toward you, that they would be sensitive to you, Lord. That they'll be passionate about you. That we'll recognize you when you're in a room. That we'll recognize when you're moving, God, that we can move with you. God, I ask that there won't be any moment of our day of our life that our hearts aren't turned towards you and and attentive to you and affectionate toward you. We just release that over our house so that, that, would, that, we would be get, that we would be known for our heartburn. In Jesus' name, amen. The second thing I wanted to say is um, the things that you see about God and know about God and that you're learning about God also reveal to you your nature. When we were doing the praise thing and we were bragging on God and we were just telling how awesome God was, all... All I could hear when I did that was an echo, like the Lord saying, that's who I see you as too. When I was saying, Lord, you're faithful, the Lord was saying, I see you, Jared, you're a faithful man. I said, Lord, you're strong and you're powerful. I heard the Lord say, Jared, that's what I see in you. I said, you're merciful. I heard the Lord say, you're merciful too. Like when we learn something about God, about his nature, when we see something about him, we were created in his image, right? How many believe that? So when we learn something about God, we're also learning who we're supposed to be. And so I just want you to know that. You're not insignificant. You're daddy's kid. You're his favorite one. Why don't you say that? I'm his favorite one. <laughs> There's a song by Missy Edwards uh, called, Here I Am, Your Favorite One. Like, oh, I'm like, I'm, I'm uh, not proud, but I'm proud enough to say, God, I'm your favorite one. Right? Why don't you say it again? God, I'm your favorite one. <laughs> And he really feels that way about us. And, and so when you learn about him, when you learn things about his nature and his character and, and, you know, his ways point to his nature. So when God's been faithful to us, it's pointing to his character, which is faithfulness. How many people are cold? Real quick. Everybody but me. Let me turn that up, up there. Thanks, man. She tells me, like, you get going and everyone's out here freezing and you don't even notice. I'm like, I'm up here. It's hot up here. I don't know where you're at. No, but the Lord wants you to know that as you're learning stuff about him, he wants you to know that's your nature as well, right? All <clears throat> All right, third thing, I'm kind of going down the list, and then I'll preach. It won't be long either. We have the outreach coming up, and this is what the Lord was saying to me about, about the outreach. When we get to heaven, we will have time to worship God, right? How many believe that? Hello? When we get to heaven, we will have time to spend with Jesus and God one-on-one, prayer time, conversation time. When we get to heaven, we'll have time to have fun with church people and hang out. We'll be able to eat, we'll fellowship, we'll have a big party. There's only one major thing that we won't be able to do when we get to heaven, and that's reconcile other people to God. Like, going to church is great. Listen to me. This is f- I love going to church. I love prayer. I love worship. All that stuff's great. We need to do it and increase in our doing it, right? But there's something that can only happen while we're in this time space continuum on the earth. There's only, and it's win other people to Jesus. And so it's the most important thing that we can talk about as a church. Worship's great. Prayer's great. But if we're not telling other people that, that God loves them and has good things for them, then we're missing. A real small window, right? So I just wanted to say that. I want to ask you, this, this last week, how many you seen the show, show called Storm Chasers? Anybody? Is that not an awesome show? Well, this new season, um, they decided they're going to go up to Mississippi um, in episode one, and there's this huge outbreak of tornadoes there. And, uh, you know, they don't like to storm chase there because the trees are tall, there's hills, and it's really, you can get in dangerous spots. So they're chasing this storm in Mississippi. This tornado is on the ground. And besides its winds, it's a two-mile-wide tornado. And it's traveling on land at 60 miles an hour. So if you're in the way of this tornado, besides the 150, 200-mile-an-hour winds, it's crossing so much territory so fast that it's just eating land up and, and buildings up. So these storm chasers catch it on their camera, and they're trying to chase it and catch up to it. And and they get to a town that it looks like, he's like, well, we thought the tornado came through here, but it must have missed it. Anyone see this episode? Kyle, I know Kyle did. We talked about it. But they come up to the town, and then they start seeing trees, and they start seeing more and more damage, and they pull up to just chaos. Houses are completely flat. There are people laying out in the yard. There's all kinds of stuff going on. There's a lady laying in the back of the truck, her hips broken, and she's like, my husband is trapped in the house, and he's, I think he broke his back. These people that are storm chasers have now all of a sudden become the first responders. They are not qualified to help people. But because there's no one else around to help, they're required by human nature to help people out. They're going through houses. There's two elderly people in a house with the whole roof caved in on them. They're helping these elderly ladies out of the house because no one can get to them yet. They're the first ones there. And I wanted to take this scene and bring it to us as a church. You, you can't say you're not qualified any longer because there's a catastrophe going on. There's a crisis on the planet. It's no longer time, well, let's let the doctors, let's let the medics, let's let the paramedics and people like that take care of this stuff because they're trained for it. If you come up on a scene where there's a crisis and you're the only one there, you have a, a, a duty and a responsibility to respond. And so I want to take away the excuse that I don't know stuff. I haven't been trained. I can't give them the right scriptures. No longer is that an excuse. You have come up on a car accident. You're the first one there. And, there's, and God sent you there specifically for a reason. So you are prepared. You are ready. And you have a responsibility to respond. And so I just want to pray that over our church real quick before we go into the message. Lord, I ask that, that you would just stir up inside of us the, the uh, compassion, Lord. Compassion for people that that are in crisis mode on the planet. I ask, Lord, that we will no longer use the excuse that we're not trained, we're inadequate, or any other excuse that we throw out there. Lord, I ask that we would just simply love people and help them. And I just ask that you would release that over us as a church. Yes, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Everybody good? Everybody having a good week so far? It's the first day of the week, so hopefully it's going well. <laughs> this is a few hours old. <clears throat> I, I kind of want to continue a, a thought, but I want to take it a little bit further today. Um, if you weren't here Wednesday night, we will have notes for that. Um, I, I personally think it was it was a great class as far as the topics, the discussion, the things that we got into, the, the mind, the, the the thought process for outreach and evangelism, and just who we are as believers and. In that, in that thing came up the, the, the sin nature kind of thing. And I want to talk about that again. I've talked about this many times, um, but I want to hit it again from another angle because I, I really want us to understand this. Are you God conscious or sin conscious? All right, because this is, a, this is a big deal. If, if I am more aware of sin, then I'm going to continue to sin. But if I am more aware of God, then I'm going to line up my life according to how God is. If, if I'm really aware of my faults and my frail, frailty and my sins and my, my, my attitudes, and all, if I'm always focusing on those things, they will continue to reproduce in my life. Is everybody okay? So what is your nature? Do you have a sin nature? Like, that's, that's a million-dollar question. We say we come to Christ, and 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, and all things are completely new. So we as believers, we as Christians, we champion that. Man, I'm a new creation. I'm saved. By his stripes, I'm healed. and all, We quote all these things, right? Am I telling the truth? But when it comes down to practice in our lifestyle, we're still very aware that we have a sin nature. We say, no, I'm a new creation. I have the mind of Christ. I'm the righteousness of God. We even said it this morning, right? But then in our actions, in the way we live our life, we're really aware, man, I'm really a sinful person. I just can't do the right thing. Two steps forward, two steps back. Right? <laughs> In Romans chapter 4, chapter 7, excuse me, Romans chapter 7, verse 4. I want to read this, and then we're going to to wrap this up pretty quick today. But uh, it's so important we we change our thinking about a sin consciousness versus a righteous consciousness. It's kind of hard to say all that. Romans chapter 7, verse 4. It says, So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another... (laughs) Did everyone hear that? He says, you died to the law. You died to the sinful nature through Jesus Christ. So that now you can belong to another nature. So that you can belong to him who was raised from the dead. So that you can bear fruit of God. For when you were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions stirred up by the law were at work in our bodies so that we produced fruit That were according to the nature, the passions that we had, alright? Do you see what he's saying here? He's saying before, when we talked about the law, when you knew the law, the law made room and it allowed passions, evil passions, the enemy took his opportunity. If you'll read on, he says, Satan took advantage of the opportunity of the law to stir up evil passions inside of you. Because the Bible even says that before the law came into, into being, there was no sin, So that Adam and Eve could have been doing horrible things. But because there was no law against it, it was not sin. So when the law was put into place, all of a sudden they're like, oh, wait a second, I have a sinful nature. I am now aware of what's right and what's wrong. And now what that did was the enemy took opportunity and says, okay, they think they have a sinful nature. I'm going to produce passions in them that line up with their thinking. Are you following me? And in Romans chapter 7, verse 4, he's saying, no, you died to that nature that says you have a sin nature. Where the enemy has a room to come in and stir up passions that sound like the thoughts that are going through your head. Is everyone, everyone, everyone following me? He says, now there's a, new, there's a new way of thinking. There's a new, uh, a new nature that's come in. It says, but now, by dying to what, what's bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve God in the new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. We say we are new creations, but we act as if we have evil hearts. Like, even if someone does something really good, like, man, dude, that was really awful. Man, it wasn't me. It was the Lord. Dude, I don't know what came over me, man. I don't know how I prayed for you because that's just not me to pray for you and take time out and listen to your cares. That had to be totally God. No, it was you and God. It really was. It was both of you. It was your nature coming together with God's nature at the same moment to where you did what he would have done if he was in your shoes. Yet we live our lives where we think, man, I have a really evil heart, so I have to be really careful not to feed that evil heart, not to, you know, all the stuff we think through as, as Christians, yet we quote the scripture, I'm a new creation. All that was old is gone, and now all things are new. Everybody okay? We even discipline our children from an attitude that they really don't want to do good things, that they want to really do bad things. As a father, I can tell I've learned this from experience. There is a big difference when I discipline my children from the perspective that they want to do right versus I think they want to do wrong. If I come to Josiah and he keeps doing this thing, and I come at him like, you always do this thing. You never do what I tell you to do. Why can't you just obey? What, am I, what attitude am I coming at him from? You have no heart to do the right thing, so I have to force you to do the right thing. Because your heart is evil, I have to force you, I have to put boundaries and rules and spank you to where you'll do the right thing, because you really don't want to, so I have to make you want to do the right thing. Where does that thinking come from? Man, God, I really don't want to do the right thing, so please come force me. God, please make me take away my desires to do the wrong things. He already did that. Right? Listen to me. The reason, how many parents in the room says, yeah, that's, I can understand that? Yeah? How many of you have ever done that to our kids from an attitude like, man, they really don't want to do the right thing. They really want the room to just stay messy. They don't really want to do the right thing. He really doesn't want to share with his brother. He's always trying to manipulate to where he gets more toys. Than the... And, and the reason we think we're that way is because we view our relationship with our father that way. So we reproduce what we believe. And The Lord wants you to know today that your sin nature was crucified. He made provision for it to be taken out of the equation. That doesn't mean that you can't sin anymore. I like what... Bill Johnson says that you can still sin, you just can't have as much fun doing it. <laughs> you know, I mean, we can still sin. Everyone in this room, we have the capacity right now to go out of these doors and go sin. But because we know God, it's just the hangover hurts a little bit more, right? It's like, oh, God, why did I do that? Because it's not in your nature to do the wrong thing anymore. Yet we think that we still have a sinful nature. We think that we're, we still want to do the wrong things. I really don't want to do what's right. So what we do is we introduce fear to our own children. Because we don't think they want to do the right thing. So we want to scare them into doing the right thing. Where do we get that? Because we think that the only way we can respond to God is if he threatens us with hell. If he dangles me over hell long enough, I will do the right thing. I mean, I really want to do this other thing that I know is not right. So God, please hang me over hell just for five seconds. Just let me feel a little bit of fire so that I won't do that thing. Please, just scare me. That fear will produce godly adrenaline inside of me and make me do the right thing. Right? But 2 Timothy 1.7 says that, that he hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power and love and of we say "sound mind," because it sounds easier to, oh, I have a sound. no." It says really, it means self-discipline." Like I would much rather say, "Man, God, you give me a spirit of power love and a sound mind." That's easy, because you did it. But it's actually called self-discipline. It means I have to do it." Right? There's a whole lot of scriptures I want to get into for time and all that kind of stuff. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stop right here. Don't think of yourself anymore as you have all these evil desires that can't be managed and can't be controlled, and the only way they can be fixed is with, with, with stipulations, with punishment, with fear, because the Lord says that he's made provision to take away your sinful nature, and he's given you a completely new nature, and that actually now you're called to be like Christ, that you're going to have his nature, Hello? In Romans chapter 8, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures just to close this out. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because, the, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit that was alive in Christ Jesus set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son... As a sinful man, in the likeness of a sinful man, to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in a sinful man, hello, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sin nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their hearts and minds set on the things that the Spirit desires. For the mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Everyone with me? Ephesians chapter 2. I I, want to read these. I want you to see these in your Bible. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. Ephesians 2 verse 1. It says, As for you, you were dead in your sins. We were dead. We were completely dead. Everyone say, we were dead in our sin. Right? For which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and you followed the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is it now working in the disobedient. It says, all of us who lived among them at the time gratified our cravings and our sinful nature and followed its thoughts like the rest. We were objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, I say, but because of his great love, you okay? God who is rich in mercy <laughs> made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgression and sin. It is by grace that you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly places, so that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable richness of his grace and his ex- and his excessive kindness. Okay, these are things I, I, I guess I'm just going to stop and kind of talk for a second because <clears throat> I want you to go back in and read these things and I want you to begin to think, do I think of my sinful nature as being alive or do I think of it as dead? Because what we believe, if we believe this, listen to me, this is the the end. If we believe that we can be in Christ and have a sinful nature, then we're going to keep sinning. Period. That's that's just a fact. If I think I can go to heaven, but I have a sinful nature, then that sinful nature is going to create room in me to do what I believe about myself. But if I say, no, I don't have a sinful nature anymore. I'm not, my life is not dictated by a sinful nature. It is now dictated by a spirit nature, by a righteous nature. See, you can think good things. You have the capacity right now inside of you to think the right things, to do the right things. It is there. What the enemy wants to do is to make you think that you can't. He wants you not to believe that about yourself. He wants you to think that for the rest of your life, you're going to struggle with sin. Sin. Because he knows if he can make you believe it, then you will act according to your beliefs. Jesus wants you to know today that your sin nature is something that you can overcome. That you can stop doing the things that you don't want to do. That the, that the problem isn't the sin nature. The problem is we're stirring up want to inside of us. Listen to me. The problem isn't that we have a sin nature. The problem is we're feeding desire inside of us. It's a big difference. Your sin nature can't make you sin because you don't have one. (laughs) The only person that can make me sin is me. The only way that I can move myself outside of a new creation into a creation that can sin is by stirring up desires inside of me that want to do wrong things. So the enemy is not a sin nature. It's desire. Where do desires come from? It comes from what we love. Listen to me. Desires come from what, we're, what we love and what we're affectionate about. What really matters to us. I love my wife, so I desire my wife. I desire to be with her. Just to be around her, in the same room with her. Because I love her. My love for her stirs up desire for her. When the love goes away, the desire goes away. If I love doing wrong things... If I love evil in any way, if I love sin, if I love things that are a little bit wrong, that love will create a desire for those things. So we don't have a sin nature issue. We have a love issue. That's why I prayed that God would give us heartburn. Because if we can love him, we will desire him. Here's the, here, I'm going to end with this again. The Bible says that in the last days it will be perilous times, that there will be, you know, lots of evil and lots of good. It says it all through there. It says that one of the signs, though, is that people will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And as I've gotten older, you know, I'm a sports fanatic, okay? I'm a fan. I'm a fanatic. And as I was growing up, man, it was it, it it was probably an idol to me. That's that's what brought me pleasure. If, if my team won, I was in a good mood. And it, it's still like that a lot. Even though, you know what? I'm in a great mood and my Longhorns lost yesterday. I was watching the game and I couldn't even get mad at them. I was like, thank you, God. Thank you so much. Used to. We'd have to have a new couch about right now. Mandy would just tell me to stay away from her the rest of the day. I was... Sport, I loved my longhorns, so I had desire for my longhorns. I loved pleasure. The the love for pleasure created desire inside of me. What happens is is when we love things and we love when we allow other things to replace the place that only God should feel. And I've been thinking about our country is completely inundated with idolatry. And I've been I've been thinking about this all week. It's not our sin nature that's a problem for America. It's our, it's our love for pleasure. It's idolatry. And we don't talk about idolatry in the American church. We don't worship idols. We don't have statues, and, and, and we don't do all that. That's not how we do church in America. We're, we're better than that. We've moved beyond the idolatry. No, we've, we've just we've gotten more sophisticated in our idolatry. And what has happened is fun, pleasure, excitement, joy, all the, all the things that we think worldly things have become our idols. How many Ranger fans are out here today that didn't watch one game all season? <laughs> I'm a 160 er I don't know who you are. I watched every game this year, right? I was telling, I was telling Mandy, I want to come up with a shirt for the Rangers that if you watched every game, it should have like the marathon, the twenty six point two. You wear the shirt, put the thing on your car. I one sixty tour. I'm a ranger fan with a one. I watched every game this year, right? Why do people jump on the bandwagon and all of a sudden the Cowboys really suck right now? So no one wants to talk about the Cowboys. So let's all jump on the Ranger bandwagon because they make us feel better. Woo! There's pride in City of Arlington again because at least somebody's winning. Even the stars are winning games down there. So we're like, wherever, whatever we can cheer for that makes us happy, let's cheer for them. And what we do, and I'm just using sports because it hits home with me. I'm like, the Longhorns are really horrible. The I'm sure glad the Rangers are doing well. I'm in a good mood, right? What I'm, what I'm allowing is an idol to be raised up in my life because the idol is something that can dictate your mood, your personality, your outlook on life. This is a true statement. People that are very sensitive to spiritual things can not watch the cowboy game. This is absolutely true. I've I've tried this. Not watch the cowboy game and know whether they've won or lost by the atmosphere in the city. That's absolutely true. You don't even have, if you just open your spiritual senses, you can tell whether they won or lost by the mood of the town. Because it's an idol. our sin nature isn't the problem and I, you guys know i don't this is like really different from me right but this has been so, i'm like we have it so upside down in our country rock stars movie stars athletes make ridiculous amounts of money yet doctors are going without pay firemen teachers people that really serve society are Not doing real well. I mean, they're doing okay, but they should be the ones making the most money, right? And this is coming from a, I'm a jock, you know? And I think it's absolutely ridiculous the way society's flipped upside down. Entertain me, entertain me, entertain me. Why? Because I need something to bring pleasure. I need something to bring joy. Why? Because my my love and my affection have been turned from God to other things. I love pleasure. And so in, in, in this church, I wanted to shift your focus from sinful nature because you don't have one, to where do your affections lie? What really matters to you? What changes your mood? Did you miss your favorite show, Jared? <laughs> oh, i got to catch up on fringe because I missed it. Does that change our mood? Am I telling the truth? It's not a sin nature problem. Don't let the devil lie to you and say you have a sin nature. Your identity is new creation. You are the father's son. You're the father's daughter. You are completely new. But where we can stop sin is we can stop the source of what gives us pleasure. We can shift our affections toward God. You know, again, since I'm kicking it old school today, I'm going to dig one more thing. I started adding up, okay, 162 Ranger games times at least three hours a game. That's how much time I invested this last four months to the Rangers. And it's not about time. Again, I'm not one of those people, you've got to pray an hour a day. It's, it's between you and God. The more time, the better, obviously. I, I believe the more you're with him, the more we're like him. But I was sitting down thinking how much time and energy I've fed into watching the Rangers, watching the Longhorns watching the Cowboys, it's a lot of time, that's weeks of time, for what, it's awesome they're going to the World Series, I've lived, you know, I'm I'm almost 35 and they have never done anything like this, so I I am excited, we should be excited, it's okay, but when we keep it in perspective, you understand, and this is like tattletale on Jared up in front of everyone today. But something's wrong when that becomes a focal point of our life. And, and that is America's number one sin. It's not abortion. It's not homosexuality. It's not drugs and alcohol and whatever else. America's number one sin is their affection has been turned from God to things. Period. Now, people that have been raised around in other countries from, from Africa, from Ghana, they can tell you that's the thing that scares them the most when they bring their children to America, is that they would fall into the American way, into the idolatry of America. And I don't, I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be a prude either and not have fun. I'm all about having fun. Go Rangers. I promise you I will watch every World Series game. But when that thing begins to become more important to me, it can change my mood. And since I'm tattletelling, if I make sure the remotes are in the exact same place they are for every game, and I'm sitting in the same seat for every game, and I'm wearing the same clothes for every game, something's wrong. Yeah. I need to just stop right here. How many want to love him more? I think the key to loving him more is making room for him. You know, years ago, when we, we had first um, began to hear um, of, of Chris Falton and, and them, they had a statement that they said, and we even had it on our bulletin at our other church, making room for the extravagant one to come. And I really think that should be our lifestyle, like just making room for God. I, I even was thinking about it. Is you know we only have our children at home for so long. You know, as a as a dad, our kids are getting older fast, right? How many guys? It's like, man, where did the time go? Do I really want to waste my time sitting on the couch watching 162 Ranger games? I'm glad Mandy's not in here, y'all. She'd be a She'd be writing notes over there. Nah, you said. Get the attitude. (laughs) What game number is that? No, that's not really what I mean, baby. (laughs) I just want to get my priorities straight. They can still be a priority. (laughs) My sin nature is not the problem. Say that. Say, our sin nature is not the issue, it's our love. I heard this saying, too, and I love it. The greatest enemy to love is not hatred, but it's mediocre love. So why don't you just stand? Lord, (laughs) confession time. You said it's good for us to confess our sins one to another. So today I ask that you would forgive us for having affections (laughs) that aren't you even though we may have you first, you may be our number one, but the fact that we have a two, three, four is an issue with you. You want to be the only thing that matters. Lord, you want to be the only thing that sets our mood, that sets our outlook and our hope on life, or even sets the atmosphere of a whole city. You want to be the person that does that. And God, I ask you to forgive me for having priorities screwed up. I ask that also as a church, Lord, that you would help us to get things in the right order. Help us to love you better. Jesus. Come on, why don't you just lift your hands and just make it your prayer. Help us to fall in love with you, Lord. towards you, Lord. We know how to do it for a minute. Help us to learn how to do it for a lifetime. Lord, we stir up affection for you now by thinking of your goodness and your faithfulness, Lord. Hmm. Jeez. I want you to really be clear. I want to be clear about this. There's a big difference between con- condemnation and conviction. Conviction is good for us to feel. It's good for us to feel it. The Bible even says that godly sorrow <laughs> helps us to repent. Like to, to really feel. that wasn't quite right, God. But condemnation says that's who you are. You're just going to stay that way. You, you won't change. Conviction reveals to you what could be. Conviction is like a loving thing. Like, man, this is what's here. Don't miss out with that over there. Don't miss out with a cheap imitation of what real love and what real joy is. Conviction is completely different than condemnation. Condemnation wants to punish you. Conviction wants to bring release and freedom. So, Lord, over this house now, I ask that you would help us. Help us to feel convicted in our lifestyles. Convicted to a place of change but not condemned where we walk with our head in shame. Convict us and remind us of who our identity is and what you've called us to be. And we will not walk in condemnation our guilt or shame, but we will make changes. In Jesus, name. I just feel like we should end with some worship. I don't know what song, uh, Song of love. I think we should do full band and just go go for worship. Just, Just loving on God, all right? Yeah. As they're getting in place, I want you to bow your heads, all right? I feel like Matt reminded me to ask for this. If you're here and just things aren't right between you and God and you want it to be right, right now, just raise your hand. Okay? Okay. Yes, yes. Yes. You know what I want you guys to know that raise your hand? The moment your heart said, I want to be right, you were right right then. <laughs> when your heart turned towards him, you were right. So, Father, I just ask that you call us all into a closer relationship. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. <laughs> yeah, everyone just keep praying and just worshiping. This is how we're going to close this. This is a good atmosphere.
1: describe how wonderful your love I give all my love just to live in your presence my soul my soul it belongs to you in my heart it burns to you and God I want you to know that I will never let you go I will always be with you just as you are with me I want your light in me to show I want to overflow and pour out upon you cause you deserve it all you deserve it all you deserve it all, you deserve it all. sweetest words sweetest words I can say Can never describe your mercy The grandest song I can sing Can never describe your power And my soul my soul Longs see you And my heart mercy, God, I want you to know That I will never let you go I will always be with you Just as you are with me I want your love to show, I want my love to overflow. Pour out of Sing, God. I want you to know, God. I want you to know that I will never let you go. I will always be with you just as you are with me. I want your light in me to show. I want my love to overflow And pour out upon you Cause you deserve it all You deserve it all You deserve it all all. Sing it out, you deserve She deserves it all. She deserves it all. Oh, she deserves it all. Sing that again. in my soul Longs for you And my heart It burns for you and God, I want you to know That I will never let you go I will always be with you Just as you are with I want your light in me to show, I want my love to overflow and pour out upon you, cause you deserve it all, you deserve it all, you deserve it all. all. Sing it soon. You deserve it all. You deserve it all. You deserve it all. It all and God, I want you to know that I will never let you go. I will always be with you just as you are with me. Why you're lighting me to show why my love to overflow. Whoa. You deserve it all You deserve going to continue to worship if you need to go. Um, you're dismissed. We love you guys, um, and we'll see you Wednesday or Sunday, whatever it be. Be blessed. Your love reaches to the heaven. Your faith Stretches to the sky. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountain. Yeah, Your justice flows. Like the oath And I will lift you voice To worship you my King and I will find my strength in the shadow Your way It's your love Oh Lord. It reaches to the heaven Your faithfulness stretches to the sky Your righteousness is like a mighty mountain Your justice flows like oceans time and I will lift my voice to worship You, my King, and I will find my high strength in the shadow your way I will lift my voice to worship you my I will find my strength your way your love always it reaches to the heaven to the sky Your righteousness is like the mighty mountain yeah. Your justice flows like the ocean's tide, and I will let my hand to worship you. shadow I want to love you like you love me more than anything more than anything and I want to sings, my soul sings, how I love you, my soul sing, My soul sings, my soul sings, how I love you, my soul sings. Soul sings, my soul sings. How I love. Steve deep calls to deep. to do The deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. You alone are my heart's desire. i Silver, only You can satisfy. You alone are the real joy giver. You're the apple of my eye. You alone are my strength. shield. To you alone does my spirit. You alone are my heart's desire.